Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special Friday bonus episode of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew. Usually with these bonuses, I'm not even on them. It's just Drew doing his interviews, talking to this college kid, talking to Robert Schmidt. But no, here I am today, Jordan Lorenz and Drew Skyberg here. And Drew, tell the people, what are we going to be doing for the next, oh, half an hour to an hour? I don't know how long this is going to go. We'll be doing a Brewers season recap. So like I, I told you guys in one of my interviews, we're going to need some time to grieve over this dreadful ending to this Brewers season. So we we took our time, and now we're ready to talk about it. It was not something. I mean, also, I was I believe I was going to be gone that episode, and that's why it would have just been you talking about the Brewers postseason on, like, our main episode. And it's like, eh, what's the point? Why don't we save it? So here we go. Right off the bat, let's get right into it. Brewers-Braves. Braves win the series three games to one. They're in the World Series right now. A game or has – have two games of the World Series happened by now? I believe at least two games would happen, maybe because Tuesday, I, so. I believe, it kicks it off. So, yep. And uh, Tuesday's tomorrow as we're recording. We're recording Monday night. So here we are. Brewers win game one, two to one, thanks to a Rowdy Tellez home run. Drew and I were at that game. Thank you once again, sir, for that. And then you were at game two, three nothing loss. They head to Atlanta. Again, three nothing loss for the Brewers in game three. Finally, game four. Brewers are able to put up two runs. They do so in. Oh, I don't remember fourth inning or sixth inning or something like that. The fourth inning, they put up two runs. Then the Braves put up two in the bottom half of the inning. We're like, great. But we score two more in the top of the fifth. The Braves score two in the bottom of the fifth. Two, two tie. We head to the eighth inning. Bottom of the eighth. Josh Hader comes into pitch for this Brewers team and gives up a solo shot to the one and only Freddie Freeman. Craig Council's playing the matchups, obviously, with the lefties. He was looking to put Hader in the eighth. Some were thinking he'd go two innings, but it looked like he was only going to go that one. Gives up a home run. Brewers get a runner on right away. Had a terrible strike call. Go against Willie Adamas. Kind of changed things up a little bit. And then ultimately lose 5-4 in the series. Came to an end in Atlanta. So, obviously, we don't have to spend the time to talk about every single game, but Jock Peterson killed us, not once but twice, basically. And then Freddie Freeman gets past Hader, who was absolutely fantastic all year. And it sucks because you do all these great things in the regular season. And then you give up one, literally give up one home run in game four of the postseason. And the Brewers can't hit. So the season comes to an end. Your overall thoughts on the series and anything you really want to get in depth about, floor is yours. Yeah, so going into game one, I mean, I felt good about this series. I said Braves in four, I believe. Um, yes. Well, you said Brewers in four. Or, yeah, I said Brewers in four. Braves in four is actually what happened. So, But just this Brewers offense, um, I mean, we didn't see much in it than these four games. I mean, we saw Rowdy Telez was basically the Brewers offense, but the pitchers did not disappoint. They really didn't. Burns had that phenomenal outing game one. We saw Woodruff put together a quality start game two. Peralta pitched phenomenal in game three. And then we saw Bowser Woodruff coming out of the bullpen in game one, too. Don't forget that. Yeah, I mean, even though he gave up that home run, but seeing then Woodruff pitch out of the bullpen and he's a workhorse. He pitched great there as well. And it just eventually, I mean, Lauer pitched game four. I mean, start, he started game four and he had a big outing out of Eric, yeah, out of Eric Lauer yeah, in didn't game do four. Bad at all. And it's just a shame. This, this Brewers team had so much talent uh, on the pitching side, but when we get to the offense, it was it was non-existent in the series. The Braves had their number. We talked about some of the guys in prior episodes. 
Max Fried pitched amazing. Charlie Morton, amazing. Ian Anderson pitched well. I mean, every guy basically pitched pitched well. It was the Brewers' offense. Not, I mean, a few mistakes were made to Rowdy Telez, if you look at it like that. But other than that, it was really all Braves. Um, when just with the pitchers and just, I mean, they were able to put together some big, big at bats as well. Like Jocktober, as they say, ha- occurred a Yuck. little bit. Jock had that big three-run home run off Hauser in Game Three. Um, but yeah, I really I don't want to spend much time in this series, Jordan. It was just disappointing. The Brewers ran to the hot team. Braves are the hottest team in the second half of baseball right now. Like after the deadline, I believe they're like forty-four and twenty-two or something. So crazy. They're they're a great team right now. They're hot. It's like the twenty nineteen Nationals, is what I say. The Brewers ran to a hot team. I mean, if you look at the times they've been eliminated from the playoffs, I mean they lost twenty. So we'll go if we go twenty twenty. They lost to the Dodgers. Won won it all. Twenty nineteen Nationals won it all. 2018, Dodgers came up short in the World Series. 2011, they lost to the Cardinals, who eventually won the World Series. So it's Brewers end up losing to the winners usually or a team that goes far. So that's why I say they get a little unlucky. But, I mean, with with how this series went out, Jordan, we saw Andy Haydens lose his job. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, we were going to say that, but let's get right into it, right? I mean, this is a Brewers team that all season long – had struggles hitting. Sure, they would put up a game where they scored 12 runs or eight runs or six runs. They had a stretch where they were scoring like six to 10 runs in like three games in a row or something, I remember. But you can't, this is one of those things, right? You can't put all the blame on the hitting coach. The hitting coach can only do so much. Andy Haynes is not hitting for these players. He's just teaching them. He's mentoring them. He's doing whatever he has to do. But at the end of the day, he's not doing the job himself. However, that's where the Brewers front office comes into play. And they say, hey, you have one job. Our players aren't hitting. And then it's a decision of, is this Andy Haynes' fault or is this the player's fault? And ultimately, they felt this was his third season with us. I Yeah, it was his third. It was either his third or his fourth. But third. at the end of the day, he's gone now. So we're going to be looking for someone new. I think that it probably was time for him to be done. We do need a change. We just need something to happen with this Brewers team. But... For the fire Andy Haynes movement that was started way in the beginning of the year when we were seeing this team shut out left and right or putting up one run. I mean, this team is the reason why Brandon Woodruff had a losing pitching record on the year, which is absolutely ridiculous when he had like a 2.3 ERA or something like that. But I think it it was his time. We do need some change, but I still don't think he deserves as much blame as he got, if that makes sense. I would agree. Um, certainly the Brewers offense, I mean, they put up, they had some hot months offensively. I mean, we can't we can't say this team was bad offensively the whole year. June, July, and August, they were one of the top offensive teams in the National League. So we can't really say that there. But again, the record like, that was with Willie Adamas, of course, nineteen and eight, fourteen and ten, nineteen and nine through June, July, and August. So I mean, it reflects. Look, when this team puts up runs, they win a lot of games. Yeah, right. Then, who would have thought? It's not yeah, a I mean, who, process. Yeah, really. And then with, I mean, their pitching was great all year, so we can't really talk about pitching, but then when the offense does not put together, put to, or score some runs, we saw even a 16 and 10 April, which is remarkable for how it was a 13 and 15 May and a 14 and 15 September through October. So they're basically a 500 or under 500 team with the offense, not putting up runs, which makes sense completely. And it's just a matter of how much you want to blame with him. And then there's a few players who I want to highlight who um, really had terrible 2021 seasons for the Milwaukee Brewers. Do you want to start with the biggest priority and Christian Yelch? 
I didn't know if you were going to go with him or JBJ, but yeah, it's basically a toss up between the two. So this is going to be a little segment, right? We are grading these Milwaukee Brewers. So let's start real quick. Let's give props to who deserves it. So top stats, Garcia, 262 batting average that led the team, which is a big yikes because 262 is our best batting average. No one over 300. Garcia also had 29 home runs on the year and 86 RBI. So he led in Batting average, home runs, and RBIs. Luis Tirias had the most hits with 122. So let's start. Christian Yelich. Let's get at him right out of the gate. 399 at-bats on the year for Yelich. He ended up having 99 hits, resulting in a 248 average. So he was heating up for a little bit. It seemed like we... I hated when people said we had the old Christian Yelich back, but it seemed like things were going to be all right with Yelich. His war on the year, just 1.3 as Yelich finishes with only nine home runs and 51 RBIs. My grade for Christian Yelich on the year is a solid C. He did mostly fine defensively. He had some injuries, was banged up for a while, but offensively, hitting-wise, he just did absolutely nothing and had a putrid strikeout to end the Brewers' postseason campaign. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go see as well, Jordan. Um, just with Yelich, I mean, you hit on a lot of it. Not, not a great offensive year at all. A lot of his issues were was he was struggling to put the ball in the air this year, and that's something usually like in his 2018 season, 2019, he was really good at putting the ball in the air, getting having a high line drive rate. And but this year it was his ground ball rate. He was he was putting the ball on the ground way too much. To be an effective hitter, I mean, I've seen a clip with Josh Donaldson. He talks about he's talking to kids, and he's like, "All right, well, he was he was showing how to hit how to hit a baseball. Basically, he was showing you want to hit a line drive. You don't want to hit a ground ball because ground balls these are outs in the major league, and that's really what we saw with Christian Yelich. I mean, when he puts the ball on the ground, he's not you're not gonna odds are in the major league you're gonna you're gonna get it out when that happens. So when when that happened with Christian Yelich, I mean, two forty eight average. Like you mentioned, his OPS plus with that and a hundreds being at league average, he was 99. So he was actually under league average off offensively based on OPS plus this year, which is very unlike him as he was like in the 150s, 160s in his MVP years, I or in his MVP year, I believe. So with Christian Yelich, gotta go see as well. Defensively, he doesn't really he does not impress me. He didn't look he didn't look right out there. I mean, he makes the the he makes the plays you need to make, but just the arm strength is not there anymore. He was a gold glover outfielder with Miami. So it's just interesting to see how he performs out there defensively. He makes some good catches once in a while, but he makes some plays. He, he and he, or he makes some that he, sh- he makes plays he should make is what I'm saying, but he makes some that he does not make some that he should make. That makes sense. And yeah, I get what you're going for. And I think one of the yeah. big deals right now is he's just complacent, right? He has this humongous contract locked in. He obviously already has won an MVP, like you said, won a gold glove. He has, I don't even know how much money his contract is, but it was a big boy contract he ended up signing. And now here he is stuck with the Brewers long-term and they're stuck with him as well. It was to the point where in the postseason, people were saying Tyrone Taylor needs to start over Christian Yelich, which is absolutely mind-blowing. But you want to go right into JBJ next to grade. This guy, center fielder, comes to the team, only plays, well, he played in 134 games, so not the end of the world, 387 at-bats. That equivalates to a 163 batting average 
six home runs, 29 RBIs, an OPS of 497, and a negative 0.7 war. JBJ made like, so he had the one game where he had a walk-off. We'll give him credit for that. He had a walk-off in the year. I remember watching that game at work. And then he had one really spectacular catch that took the world by storm. Other than that, I couldn't tell you anything this guy did. He deserves a D in my book. Not quite failing, but he gets a D. A D? Okay, well, I'll say my grade after. Hold on. But, I mean, you touched on JBJ pretty well. I mean, he he got some playing time when there were guys banged up. We saw Locaine banged up um, a good chunk this year. So we actually sadly saw JBJ a lot in April and May before Tyrone Taylor really emerged as the guy who kind of took a spot. So we ended up seeing JBJ a lot. Um, not impressive whatsoever offensively, as you know. Uh, later in the year, he was basically he would come in. He'd be either pinch runner for Rowdy Telez or Daniel Vogelbach, whoever got on, if they got on base when they pinch hit. And then you double switch, you put him in for defense, and he'd get maybe one at bat, one at bat a game. And like you mentioned, 163 average, a 34 OPS plus. Like he's almost at the level of like a pitcher hitting offensively, which is. And I'm sure some pitchers uh, are better than him. Yeah, Eric Lauer's OPS plus was a 43. Fun fact. Um, so that would Much actually smaller sample size, but still. Yes, but that's not it, it. Just it just proves the point, you know. Uh, when a when a pitcher, even I don't care if you've limited at bats, it's still a pitcher. A pitcher's putting up a higher OPS plus than you. That there's gonna there's a problem, and he had a one of the main topic for the Brewers and coming into the offseason was fixing. I mean, of course, fixing Yelich is the priority, but. Fixing Jackie Bradley Jr. This was, this was terrible. Um, he was just abysmal the whole year. Jordan. Um, another thing I want to mention with him, I know we'll get into free agents later. He actually has a cl- a player option for nine and a half million, so he's obviously going to take that. So he'll be making nine and a half million next year, just taking up a spot on the team. I give him an F. Uh, it's a it's an F. It was that's fair. You, I mean, you mentioned some of the value he played with defense. I mean, he he had some great plays this year. The coolest thing I saw him do this year was actually on Twitter when he threw a ball four hundred feet dead center. That was pretty cool. Yes. It was over four hundred feet, and I thought that was uh, that he can hit, he can throw the ball farther than he can hit the ball. So that's that's always something. I mean, that's pretty cool. So I'm gonna go with an F for JBJ, but I really am. I'm rooting for the guy. I'm not gonna just be here just talking and saying like, God, he's terrible, whatever. I, I'm rooting for this guy. I really think he can turn it around. I mean, he. Had, he had some really great flashes with his time in Boston. He actually had the one ALCS MVP. So I believe so he's actually, I mean, he's, he's a proven, proven hitter. Like he, he has some pretty good offensive years with the Red Sox and he had this long on base and hit streak. He had going for him a few years ago. He certainly has the ability to turn around. It's a matter of if he's going to or not. So I I'm wishing the best for JBJ. Yeah. And I was also looking, he played in 134 games, which is third, on the team, only other players above him, Garcia and Urias. So that is kind of crazy. You play in 134 games, get 387 at bats, and can't even put up a batting average over 200. It's almost like a Keston Hero situation. Obviously, oh. we're rooting for the guy. We're not going to just yell at him and say, You're terrible, goodbye. But yeah, I mean, JBJ next year, obviously, he's going to take the money. Like you said, he's not going to make nine and a half million anywhere else at this point with putting up these numbers. So He'll be a Brewer next year. One player who might not be a Brewer next year, Avisel Garcia. 135 games played in, 461 at-bats, resulted in 121 hits, already went over his numbers, 262 average, 29 home runs, 86 RBIs. You can go first. What grade are you giving 
Avisel Garcia in probably his farewell season as a brewer. Sadly, like what you just said, it's probably his farewell season. Avi Garcia had some big plays this year. Um, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm just thinking like he had, he was probably the most consistent off- offensive hitter the Brewers had this year by far. I mean, just the numbers show, I mean, 262 average, like you said, 117 OPS plus. So he's, he's above average there. And yeah, he, I mean, he had some 29 home runs, 86 RBIs, but yeah, like I said, by far the most consistent offensive hitter for the Brewers. Uh, questionable plays, some defensively. I mean, I just think of it's unfair to grade him on one one play, but that play against uh, the what was it, the Giants? Yeah, it was where he missed the ball, and then they ended up tying the game, and then oh. eventually winning. That was that was tough. Yes. But Avi Garcia, I'm just pulling up his baseball savant right now because he's going to get paid in free agency. He actually, the reason he will, it was going to be a club option, I believe but it turned into a mutual option based on how many plate appearances he had. And he, he um, hit the player plate appearance threshold, I believe in September. So it was yeah, pretty was close. Say he probably surpassed that. But yeah. So I'm actually, late, but still I get it up right now. He is going to get paid. I mean, uh, ex- expected weight on base average, 85, 85th percentile expected batting average, 83rd percentile expected, expected slugging 87th percentile sprint speed, 88th percentile. Oh, wow. Just, he would thrive, I think, in the in the American League as a designated hitter based on, I mean, his outfielder jump, 10th percentile, uh, his outs above average, 21st. So, I mean, he he could go to the American League. They would pay him, pay him the big bucks. I'm thinking, I just was thinking like a little bit right now where he would go. I think a place like Tampa Bay, you let you let Nelson Cruz walk. I mean, and he, he played for Tampa. I think if you maybe return there, I don't know how he feels about Tampa Bay, like how Willie Adamas does, and I'm sure we'll be grading him later. So, yeah, I'm going to give Avi Garcia, with all being said, I'm going to give him an A-. minus, And I I went that high. I don't know if you That's went exactly that high. That's exactly what I was going to give him. I was going to go exactly. being the most consistent offensive hitter of the Brewers team. You, you're going to get an, some sort of A. So, A-. minus. Yeah, that is exactly what I was going to do. A-. minus. Completely agree with everything said. We're not going to go through every player, obviously. We're going to rapid fire through some of them. But you mentioned Willie Adamas. Let's go right to it. His war on the year was 3.5, ended up batting 285 with this Brewers team. And I mean, 26 doubles, which is not bad at all. Didn't have any triples, but had 20 home runs, 58 RBIs, 49 or 47 walks, I should say, which is pretty great as well. Struck out 105 times, and which is up there. But I mean, obviously, we've got JBJ at 132, Garcia 121. Urias 116 and Yelch 113. So not the highest on the team, but I think it's pretty mutual that everyone would give Willie Adamas an A. It can't be talked about enough how he turned this team around for the better with the big trade that ended up happening. And for any of the announcers that have never seen this Brewers team, all they do is talk about how Adamas turned this team around and they talk about how Yelch was a former MVP. They don't know enough about Urias or Garcia. I mean, they can talk about Kane a little bit. JBJ didn't even have a chance to talk about him. He didn't appear in the postseason once. So that was kind of crazy. Or maybe he did a little bit, but not like starting. And then we had Willie Adamas, who everyone loved to talk about. Didn't play the best in the postseason. I'll pull up his numbers now. I mean, he did all right, right? He hit 294. Really can't complain about that. Struck out nine times. Didn't have a single walk. Five hits and 17 at-bats, one of which being a double. So ended up leading the team in batting average with that 294. And Obviously, we're going to go with an A for Willie Adamas, unless you're going to stretch it to an A+. Yeah, I'd go A. And the reason we called 
or two things here. The reason uh, we said Avi Garcia had, as the team highest batting average is because based on plate appearances and at bats and whatnot, he he's the one who qualifies as the as for batting average because Adamas, as we know, May twenty second zone is Willie Adamas day. So if we're basing off from there, also um, he would be probably the most consistent here. But when we when I was basing off the whole year, I got to go Avi Garcia. Yes. So I think then with Willie Adamas, you you hit it all. He for sure an A. The OPS plus 135. Luckily, the Brewers have this guy under control for a few more years, so we don't have to worry about him going anywhere soon. So just really, really glad they made that trade. And we pointed out here on the podcast when the trade was made, it was a good trade based on his home and away splits. I mean, I, I pointed that out right away and hate to say, I, I mean, I'd love to say I'm right. So I'm going to say I'm right. I there was you right. You really were because I was still on the fence about it, giving up our pitchers and stuff. But hey, it ended up working out just so everyone is aware. Obviously, Garcia had 96 more at-bats than Willie Damas, so that's really what comes into play there. Two more, and then we're going to kind of just rapid-fire through the rest of them. Colton Wong, we have to talk about his first season, his rookie campaign as a Brewer. 445 at-bats, he played in 116 games, ended up with 14 home runs, not the best, but 50 RBIs, a 272 average, 3.3 war, Got to go A as well for Colton Wong. Defensively made some absolutely tremendous plays and was really great in the leadoff spot. I love Wong on this team. You bet. We got two more years left of Colton Wong, and he's he better get a gold glove at second base. He's he's a great leadoff hitter. I really like him at the leadoff spot. And I mean, a lot of his uh, exit velocities, hard hit percentages, they're all they're all below average. But that doesn't really tell the tale. I think with Colton Wong, he's he's a great leadoff hitter, and he's just. I mean, he, he's a good player and I, you can't deny that. And yeah, his OPS plus sitting at 108 also. So, I mean, he's above average if you look at it in the terms of OPS out of major league players. So I like Colton Wong too. What did you go with again? I went with A, solid A. You went with an A. Um, I can't go higher for him than Avi Garcia, I don't think. Maybe no. I'm going to go A minus. I'll, I'll stick them together. Okay. Understandable. I just think, I don't know, I thought he did really well. and He plays both sides of the ball really well, unlike Garcia, who we talked about, makes some eh, decisions. It isn't always the best, but Luis Urias is the last guy we're going to discuss in great detail. Most at-bats, most games played. He was a workhorse, to say the least, and the Eduardo Escobar trade really didn't change a whole lot. If anything, the Adamas trade made him better, and the Escobar trade just solidified him in the spot. 77 runs, which is the most on the team, 122 hits, most on the team, 25 doubles, third on the team, one triple, 23 home runs, second on the team, 75 RBIs, second on the team, 116 strikeouts, and but 63 walks. He was walked the second most. Only other player walked more, Christian Yelich, which is kind of crazy, but five stolen bases on the year, 249 average, so right around that 250 mark, a three war and a 789. OPS for Luis Urias. Once again, I know some people might not be the biggest fan. I was going to give him a solid A, but I'll go A minus solely because of all the defensive errors he made throughout the year. But offensively, this guy really found his drive. He was playing so well for a player that some people thought we needed to go. We got rid of Arcia for Urias, and he was not proving himself at all. Once we got Adamas, he really settled in, found his groove. A minus for Urias. I am a huge fan of this kid. I really like Luis Arias as well. I don't know if I can go as high as an A minus. I'd probably put him in the B range, but I think the Brewers operate this offseason with Luis Arias as if he was their everyday third baseman. I don't, 
I don't see a re-signing of Eduardo Escobar. I, I actually am not a fan of I was not a fan of what Eduardo Escobar brought to the team mm-hmm. in the second half. But I can't argue with you about I mean Luis Arias is was a great player. I mean that that Grisham trade for Lauer and um Urias looks better by the day. It, it really does. And I mean Urias he he has some great great stat cast stats here if we're really looking into it. He's got his expected weight on base average. I mean, 57 percentile. He's he's above average and a good chunk of these offensive max exit velocity, 80th percentile walk percentage, 70th percentile. I mean, he has some great, great things on his like resume. If we look at it like that and also his OPS plus sitting at 111. I mean, he was above average offensive player throughout most of the year. He was one of those guys who was also really consistent as well. If you look at it like that, but I'd probably go I mean, with the defense and just with not I mean, he, he filled his role very well playing in 150 games. I'd go, I'd go BB plus. Um, I, I'm now I'm starting to question Wong. I want to put Wong with him at a B or B plus, but I can live with him at A minus too. I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, well, so I think the, also the thing that's tough is obviously if we're comparing these guys to other teams, there's no way they're reaching this high of a level. But compared exactly. to the Brewer, compared to the Brewers, like these guys are our standout players, and that's what we're grading them off of. If we're going league wise, there's no way Urias gets an A or A minus or anything anywhere near it. But just off this Brewers team, so let's rapid fire through some of these. I will give you a name. You will give me their grade. Let's go. And then I will say if I agree or disagree. Starting with a big one in Omar Narvaez. Omar Narvaez. I'm going to go B exactly on the dot. Okay. I was going to go B plus for him. He definitely showed some power. Maybe wasn't our best defensive catcher when you got Manny Pena, but I think Narvi did some great things for the year. So we're basically similar there. How about this guy, Jace Peterson? Gotta love him. You do. He filled his role very well. Um, I'm going to go B minus though. I mean, he's for this team. Yeah, he doesn't do a whole lot, but what he does is pretty solid. He liked the walk. That's for sure. I can agree with a B minus there. A guy we really haven't touched on a whole lot, Lorenzo Kane. Pretty quiet year for him. Ended up getting banged up a few times. Made some great defensive catches. Yeah, when he was in, oh, this, this is a tough one. Um, I'm gonna go B minus as well. It just it sucks that he got hurt. Um, but when he when he's in there. I mean, but his offense, he's not the same player anymore. 95 OPS plus. He's a below average offensively. He's been the past few years, but I'm looking forward to him in 2022. So I'll yeah, I was that. actually, I was going to go C plus actually. I mean, the dude only played in 78 games, which really isn't a lot. So not the best, not the worst. He's right around that middle range. How the big man, Daniel Vogelbach, walk off grand slam highlight of his year. Oh, for sure. And yeah, he was, he was banged up a little bit this year. Just looking for him here. Um, where is he? He actually went down to Nashville at 1.2, obviously because of his injury, and then Rowdy Telez kind of shifted those guys, but they were both switching in and out. Yeah, with Daniel, I'm going to go. I mean, Telez kind of just like kind of got the spot at the end of the year. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go C-plus for him, and it's, it's nothing against Daniel Vogelbach, but it's he, he's a glorified pinch hitter. I mean, once in a while you can see him play at first, but against lefties he just – Swing him. He just his K rate's too high, and just he has a good eye of the strike zone, though. But he, he just swings and misses a lot of pitches. So I'm gonna go C plus. That I was gonna go C C plus. So you go C plus. I'll go there as well. Tyrone Taylor, TT. What are we going for the outfielder who kind of overshadowed Yelich? Yeah, I'm gonna go here. I actually, I might go B or B minus. What we got out. Ty, I'm gonna go B actually. Tyrone Taylor. What we got okay. out of him this year is big. I really was when when I mentioned like. Because you, they had to play JBJ in the start. Because I mean, you didn't really, you didn't know what you were going to get out. Tyrone Taylor, 
And then you see Tyrone Taylor, actually, he started, he had a great offensive year, 106 OPS, sitting above average there. He was probably one of their, he was probably the second best outfielder offensively for this Brewers team, if you look at it like that, which is saying a lot. And I expect a lot out of him in 2022. That's why I, I wish you could trade JBJ somehow. And there's, if they can include him in some sort of package with a guy, like he's obviously just a throw in guy to yeah. some team who's not contending, which I'll bring up a scenario later if you want. But um, yeah, I, I think Tyrone Taylor, I give him a B. Yeah, I can completely agree with that. Most likely could be an everyday player next year with some exceptions, obviously. But if you are going to trade JBJ, only thing you can do is package him. Two more. Manny Pena, what are we going for the backup catcher who played 75 games this year? This is tough. Um, I mean, he does he does his role. And that's why I can't, if I'm grading off of his role, if I'm grading off of kind of like, I got to think about if I want to compare him to Omar. I mean, yeah, obviously he's not the same player as Omar offensively. Even though 189 average on the year, Pena had a big second half. He mean he gets a big big plays offensively. So I, I'd go. I'd probably go C. I mean he does his role. C. Yep, exactly what I was going to do. And the final player is the one and only Eduardo Escobar. We kind of talked about him. There's players like Travis Shaw, Keston here, Rowdy Telez, Billy McKinney. We're not going to grade all of them. We're getting into pitchers here in a minute as well. But Escobar comes in late in the season, and I. Don't think he did everything we expected him to. Solid C minus for me. C minus. Uh, Might be yeah, a little ba- harsh. Based on his stats, I, you can't really argue that. But just watching him play out there, I, I don't like. I mean, he had some pretty good plays at first, but just wa- like for me, I, I went to a lot of games, Jordan, as you know, and just oh yes, he 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 doesn't hustle. I mean, I never really really got like that vibe from him, like this hardworking guy who, you know, wants to prove like he, he should be here. He loves this team. I never really, really got that from him like that. He would want to come back. I think he's gone. I'll give him a C. I think just solely based on his one thirteen OPS plus, And just, I mean, it's above, like he is above average exit below stats and stuff with the Brewers when he was on the team this year in the 48 games. So I'll go there. Uh, his postseason, I'd give him like a D plus D, but I'll, I'll give him a solid C for, what we got out of the second half, Eduardo Escobar. Can't argue that. So now real quick, going to transition to pitchers. But first, I wanted to touch on our opening day starters. So just looking at this and seeing how it transferred to the end of the year. Colton Wong led off at second base. That was normal. Keston Hira was second in the opening day lineup at first base. What's the future like for Keston Hira next year? Minor leaguer? Yeah, I think you start him in AAA, but uh, he's another one of those guys that we mentioned that like he's got to be fixed. Um he he has it. I mean, we saw it in 2022. We saw what in he can do offensively. Or 20, whatever, 2020. Uh, we saw You're what predicting he could do. the future. I mean, we saw in 2020 and the second half of 2019 is what I want to say, what he can do. But pitchers got to him, and he his for him, it was it was the K rate. It was he was striking out at some obscene rate. It was, I believe, like 45% of his at bats, something, something like that. It was almost and, half. Yeah. And then when that's happening, there's a stretch that that occurred in, and it's just like you, you can't be having big league at bats if you're going to be striking out that much so yeah and just i got one thing for you no one in baseball in a minimum of 170 play appearances whiffed on more pitches in the strike zone than keston here so really miss swinging missy on pitches in the strike zone was an issue for him as well so once you get him fixed i think i don't know where you play him i think he's also a candidate for first first pace first base with <laughs> rowdy telez but we'll see yeah, I, like I said, I think Telez and Vogelbach are just a toss-up, honestly, at first base, and they're just both big guys. And then Hira certainly changes the tide a little bit. 
Third in the opening day lineup was Yelch in left field. Fourth was Garcia in right. So no JBJ in the starting lineup because six in the lineup was Kane in center field. But one guy we got to talk about fifth in the lineup, Travis Shaw at third base. He had a huge, huge hit on opening day, basically won the game for the Brewers. And here we are now, Travis Shaw, member of the Red Sox. Bye-bye Shaw. He had some postseason plate appearances. I don't think he did a whole lot with them, but it was kind of tough to see Shaw go. It was. He really lost his job. He got hurt for that. He missed like two months. He lost his job basically because he was injured. And another thing that really, like with him getting injured, really opened up for Luis Arias going to third. And then when that happened, then we got to see Willie Adamas, of course, at short. And that was until the deadline when we saw Eduardo Escobar come in. But when that happened for Luis Arias, I mean, it ended up turning into a blessing for him. But it just sucks to see Shaw go for, the, for that. I mean, he had a big month of April. He was really one of the better offensive hitters in the month of April, but then he slowly cooled down and same with the Red Sox that happened when he came in, he had that big walk. He had a big walk-off grand slam, I believe, or he had a grand yeah. slam and he really slowly dwindled down back to uh, the Travis Shaw that swings and misses a lot of pitches and just struggles to put the ball in place. So sad to see him go, but for the best. Yeah. I mean, he's only 31. So I thought he was a little older actually, but Hey, I remember being in Nashville this summer and I got to see Travis Shaw and Daniel Vogelbach on the Nashville sound. So that was kind of crazy. Omar was the catcher in opening day. Urias at short. And then Woodruff was the pitcher, which leads right into, we're going to talk about the pitchers here real quick. I mean, we yes. kind of beat it to death already with a bunch of these. There's so much that's already been said and we could just mirror the same exact things. But Brent Suter, my boy, had the most wins on the year with 12. Corbin Burns, ERA champ, 2.43, led the team, also led the team in strikeouts with 234. Speaking of 34, that's the number of saves Josh Hader had, and Brad Boxberger led the team with 23 holds tied with Devin Williams. So both of them were at 23. Hader with the 34 saves. Next closest player was Boxberger with four. Williams had three. Ashby had a save along with Brent Suter. So there's those numbers. Most innings pitched, Brandon Woodruff by a mile, 179.1. So he went 179 and a third. Corbin Burns had 167. Freddie Pertha, 144 and a third. And then Hauser, 142 and a third. Lauer, 118 and two thirds. And then Brett Anderson had 96. So Sudar of the bullpen had 73, which is almost matching 96 of Brett Anderson, which is kind of crazy. Just real quick, what are your thoughts on the overall rotation? So obviously it was Woodruff, Burns, Peralta. Those were our main three. And then for the most part of the year, we kind of did a sixth man with Hauser, Lauer, Anderson going back and forth. I, I've never been the biggest Hauser or Lauer fan, but they certainly did show some promise this year. Six man rotation for the Brewers with our iffy middle inning relief rolls. But then we had it with seven, eight, nine at Boxberger, Williams, Hader. Yeah, just touching on the rotation. Um, I mean, we saw Hauser and Lauer actually put together better second halves than Woodruff and Peralta, which is something that stood out to me right away. But I mean, I, I personally, I like the sixth man rotation. I mean, when you have a guy like Brad Anderson, you're able to do it in the sense he's going to pitch under around hundred innings was his goal this year. He hit 96. Oh, well, but it worked out. I mean, it, in the sense that the goal was to preserve guys for the, for that postseason run, which they they actually did. And we saw, we were able to see Woodruff out of the bullpen. Like we mentioned, like it worked the pitching, the, the game plan worked perfectly. It's just a matter of what the offense did, which we know, but Going through, just looking at some advanced stats here, ERA plus, I mean, we mentioned 100 the average for OPS plus, same thing with the ERA plus. All six Brewers stars finished above average in this terms of ERA plus out of 
league average, which is crazy. I mean, we all see six of them, really. all six with Brian Anderson finishing one on one. So right at 1% above average there compare. And then of course, Burns 176 Woodruff 166, 152 for Peralta 132 for Hauser and then 134 for Lauer. But I, I was high in, on Hauser at the start, like from the start of the year, I, I thought he was going to have a big year like for his standards, but I, I was not sure about Lauer and we, yeah, we saw a second half Lauer that I am so glad we saw Jordan. And I want to, I want to riddle you ERA plus of Josh Hader. You want to hear this oh boy? 348. He's like oh. off the scale basically yeah. because of his numbers. I, it makes sense. I mean, 58 and two thirds innings pitched hard two strikeouts. You're going to have crazy stat like that. And then going back to the field, the independent pitching, the FIP for Corbin Burns, he had a top 10 FIP and out of all seasons ever, he was, I believe like number 10 all time with a 1.63 FIP. And that takes into account basically a lot of his strikeouts. I mean, that's going to raise that and just not, not put, not walking a lot of hitters. It just, he's a perfect pitcher for that stat. And that that's why it was so high. So for him with a, or so low, I guess being 1.63. Yes. And yeah, I, like I mentioned, rotation, crazy good bullpen. You, we mentioned those, those guys in the middle Boxberger kind of lost a little bit of steam, but there's some questions with the middle relievers. Do you agree with me, Jordan, with that? Oh, absolutely. And I'm not a big Boxberger fan either. I never really have been. And this, I wouldn't say it proved it this year, but he was a little iffy at times to say the least, especially when we needed him the most with Devin Williams deciding to punch a wall, you know, but yeah, that middle rotation is what scares me. Thankfully, we didn't have to see it a whole lot in the postseason due to guys like Hauser and Woody coming out of the bullpen. I mean, we didn't need to throw in some of the lesser players, but I think Aaron Ashby is going to be one who really yes, settles into it. his role next year. And I, who else are you thinking is going to be like our top middle reliever? So obviously we have our starters locked down. We've got the back half, but in that middle section, I mean, we're looking at Strickland getting an expanded role, Ashby. And then and what are we looking at? Well, I think I think Strickland. You give him the seventh inning. I, I like Strickland more than Boxberger, Jordan. And I, I don't know. Oh, how I, I feel. agree. I agree. I think we go Strickland seven, Williams eight, Hater nine, in the, the ideal situation. And I got like Ashby. I think you're gonna. They could do the six man rotation next year, Jordan. And all they are gonna do is just flip Brett Anderson, Aaron Ashby. I think that's probably what's gonna happen. Aaron Anderson's not gonna be resigned, so he's gone. So you're gonna have those six guys doing a six man rotation, kind of like what we saw this year. And once in a while, those like. Maybe Ashby comes out of the bullpen, so maybe they go to a five for a week or whatever. But we'll see that. Daniel Norris, that was that was an interesting that that never worked out. John Curtis, yeah, no. as we know, he's out. He was out for the rest of the year. I, I think he's coming back in the middle of the year. Actually, Mid, I think it's at mid to late even. Same with like Justin Topa. I mean, he was hurt too. Like a lot of these guys. Who, uh, yeah, we I wish... thought we were supposed to have Topa for like the back half of the year, and like nothing happened with. Yeah, him. he he got hurt. I mean, he had a bad outing when he came back, and I just he just wasn't the same at the end of the year. Um, so I mean, there's some questions. Jake Cousins is another guy I really like. I love Jake Cousins. His slider, it's I believe one of the best sliders in baseball. So he, we'll see him. We'll see Miguel Sanchez. These those two guys are respectable relievers. So th- those two in Suter. With Boxberger, I've, assuming Boxberger's back, will probably make up the middle reliever spot, and that that's solid. I mean, that, that's probably a top ten in in baseball, both, middle relief section for the Brewers. So can't go wrong with that. Um, what do you what do you think? I no, I agree. I think that's a really good idea with the six man rotation with Ashby. At I just got to say, my favorite game of the year is Ashby's first 
start, right? He comes Ooh. in, pitches against the Cubs. My absolute favorite game of the year. Gives up, I think he gave up eight runs. He had a 54 ERA after his first game. Didn't even make it through the full first inning. But the Brewers came back and won that game. It was like 15-9 or 15-8 or some crazy thing. So Ashby didn't get a loss in his first game. That is my favorite Brewer game of the year, that one. I remember I just got done cutting lawn, settled inside of my grandma's house, went to watch it, was rooting for Ashby so hard, and he just has a pitiful, terrible performance. Felt so, so bad for the guy. Thankfully, Brewers' bats came alive in that game. Do you have a favorite game of the year? I mean, I know you were at a ton of them, so it could be like a favorite game you were at and a favorite you weren't at or just one favorite. I don't know. Just pick one if you can. Favorite game I was not at, Corbin Bird's no-hitter with Josh Hader. Easy choice. Um, Favorite game I was at. Holy crap. Um, There's a lot of good ones. I mean, Not counting our postseason game. And the favorite games I was at were probably losses too, which is kind of, kind of weird. <laughs> My, the the Reds Reds Brewers Saturday Night Baseball, uh, it it was it was something else. That was the game where Christian Yelich got ejected. We saw Craig Council get ejected and Joey Votto. It, it was the game had it all. Josh Hader actually blew the game, giving up a go ahead home run to Suarez in the ninth. But it was just a very competitive. It was a fun game. And another one, I'm going to give a second one just because uh, Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, White Sox versus Brewers at American Family Field. ESPN, first time Brewers are on. Host a Sunday night baseball game on ESPN. I think ever. I mean, I, I, they didn't, they don't, they have not had one at no at, at the American Family Field. So that was really cool to see that. And just, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was a great game. I mean, Brewers lost, but Brandon Woodruff was pitching and you got to just see a good baseball game. So you can't go wrong with that. So those are my two favorite games for sure. Brewers always lose anytime they're on TV. I mean, what if you know if it's like Fox Sports One? I turned that on one time because it wasn't blacked out for whatever reason. They were on Fox Sports One and they were losing like eight to three or something. I was like, come on, anytime they get a chance to be on TV, they just always lose. So, do you have anything else for the pitchers? We're not going to grade them because it's pretty obvious. I mean, Hater A, Woodruff A, Burns A, Peralta A. I mean, we could go on and on with the obvious, but any other pitching notes or comments you'd like to make? I think we got it all, Jordan. Like, yeah, like you said, all A's for sure. Basically, I mean, yeah, basically, you can't go. I no. do want to talk a little bit about free agents for pitchers. Okay, one second. We will get to that okay. if we just go through the standings real quick. Brewers oh, finished yeah. the year. It's going to be a great transition into it. Trust me. Pirates finished the year at the bottom of the NL Central, sixty-one and one hundred one, thirty-four games back of the ninety-five and sixty-seven Brewers. Obviously, we saw the Cardinals get very, very hot coming into the back half of September, but nope, Brewers held them off, won the division, got to play the Braves where they did not do well, as we know, already talked about it. So now we look ahead to next season. This year, the Brewers, their splits were kind of interesting by month, 16 and 10 in April, so started it off well, had a rough May at 13 and 15, June 19 and 8, so there you see the Willie Adams effect come into play, 14 and 10 in July, 19 and 9 in August. So they got really hot. We're 12 and 4 on the road in August. And then a 14 and 15 September through October. So I just want to ask you this real quick. Do you think it kind of cost the Brewers a little bit going into the postseason, seeing as they were benching players and they weren't letting the bats fly? A lot of people were saying, obviously, we already clinched. These games don't matter. But at the end of the day, some were saying, you know what? Maybe it kind of affected our best players sitting on the bench and not being able to get in even more reps. So I actually read an article regarding this topic and concluding evidence based on previous years of previous teams benching players 
like in the situation the Brewers exactly did. Uh, historically, it has shown it has no effect, which I don't know how much truth there is to that. But like based on the the, the study or whatever it was, it was they took they took some teams who were in a situation Brewers did and the records basically in the postseason and they compare it, it was there's really not not a lot of correlation with that being a factor. It could have been a factor maybe this year, but that was something that was brought up and um, people were debunking that kind of that theory. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like they must have a lot of evidence to back it up if they're going to go out and say that. So I don't know, but yeah, that is interesting. Last thing here, Brewers against the teams in their division, 15 and four against the Cubs this year, which is beautiful. 10 and nine against the Reds. So right around that mark, 15 and five against the Pirates, which is exactly what you would expect. But 8-11 and 11 against the Cardinals, they ran into a hot Cardinals team, as I said, late in the year. But overall, a good season for the Brewers. Can't complain about a whole lot as we move into 2022 opening day, March 31st, 110 Central Time. I'm sure you will be there. Brewers opener yes, is at home, and it is going to be against the Diamondbacks. This is going to be an... Interesting start to the year as they play the Diamondbacks three times. Then they host the Giants and then are on the road at the Cubs. Those are their first three series of the year. And we're going to talk about this team and what we think we can expect changes wise. And this is where obviously we already talked about Garcia. Probably going to go on. JBJ will probably still be here. Most of our pitching staff we're still going to have, correct? Yeah, I think there really won't be that much there that many changes there, but there's a few guys in the middle relief who might be gone. Yes, and that's that's where it gets a little interesting because hopefully there are changes for the better, but free agency-wise, there are some guys up in the air of who the Brewers might end up getting, and I know this is a topic you really love. Yeah, it really is, Jordan. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to tackle this tough thing to tackle here. So JBJ, he comes back on the player option, of course. Avi Garcia is going to decline his player option, be a free agent. Eduardo Escobar, who's a free agent, we're going to let him walk. Daniel Norris is a free agent as well. Odds are you're going to let him walk. There's a small chance they re-sign him. I, I, because of, I don't they, know, unless they can get him for real cheap. They did give a, up stuff for him at the deadline, so that's kind of my, the only reason why. Brett Anderson, you let him walk. Manny Pena is a, an interesting one. I think you got to let him stay, and I, I, I'm sure he would. So we'll see what they do there. But they, they got three catchers already with Luke Maley as well, so. I would expect Pena to stay because, I mean, who doesn't love Manny Pena? But we'll see. Strickland's also a free agent and Boxberger. Both of them are. That's where it gets tricky, Jordan. I think you I think you might let Boxberger walk. There's a small chance. But I can I also see, I can see both of them coming back. I can see. I think for sure you got to get Strickland back. I think Boxberger's a little on the fence there. And then really the other guys that matter, Axford's a free agent. You're not going to see him, but he's a free agent. So um, that rounds out really the free agents. And Jordan, can I mention one quick trade scenario? It's oh, going to be pretty brief. Um, so I, I, we, I hinted at JBJ possibly getting dealt kind of like with some prospects was the idea here. So you'd put them along with some guys um, in, the, in the farm system. Maybe, I mean, I could go like guys like Corey Ray. Um, let me, I, I haven't really looked into the top. 30 prospects for the Brewers because they've kind of like have shifted them around. Not obviously not a guy like South Relic or um Mitchell. Yeah. Or um who was it? Who else was it? 
the guy they drafted the second baseman, they got um, what's his name? It's like Ray Black. Oh, Tyler Black, so, I think. Tyler, that's uh, that sounds right. Yeah, let me just quickly check. I don't want to be saying misleading stuff. Yeah, Tyler Black, I think. Yeah, it was him. Okay, so Tyler Black and Sal Frelick, uh, those two guys. I think you gotta like the Untouchables for sure, and Ashby, of course. But I getting to what I was saying. I think Josh Donaldson with the Minnesota Twins is a possible one. I mean, the Twins probably aren't going to be competing next year. Maybe if they go for it, but you could probably you could probably get Donaldson. I'm injuries is the scary part with him. He's very injury prone, but you could get you could get down you could get that third baseman. You could probably move him probably move him to first. I think that was that's kind of the idea if you were to acquire Donaldson. But yeah, you'd give up JBJ and you throw in some prospects basically in, a, in some sort of deal. That was kind of the scenario I want to mention. And that really goes for any any guy. Uh, another guy is Trey Mancini on the Orioles, who is bound to get traded. I think he's the perfect brewer. So mark my words, I think Brewers will make a run for Trey Mancini of the Baltimore Orioles. Well, it doesn't hurt to go for any of these guys. I mean, some change would be nice, especially offensively. We know we could use the help there and Donaldson at first would be nice. That would be a welcomed addition to this team. I just, th- I just think it's one of those situations where we don't want to make too many changes because we have a lot going. We've got some really great key pieces of this team, but we have to make the necessary changes and letting someone like Brett Anderson go, Boxberger go, and letting a guy like JBJ possibly go in a trade would be the best bet because there's basically no way JBJ doesn't stay with this Brewers team for the year. Anything else you got on the Brewers? I think we hit it all, Jordan. All right, so real quick to round it off, no trivia or anything like that, but we're going to give away a few awards. I'm just thinking of on the spot. Who is your? We gave away the award for our favorite game earlier. Who is your favorite Brewer? You can pick a pitcher and a player if you want, or you can just pick one. I mean, you can kind of cheat it a little bit if needed. Brandon Woodruff, next question. Okay, mine is Luis Urias. I love the kid. I mean, I was still on the fence about him in the year, but love him. And obviously, Josh Hader, got to be one of your favorites. Expectations for the Brewers next year. I was just looking at their schedule. They have a little homestand against the Yankees and Mets back-to-back, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for the Brewers to once again win the division. Oh, for sure. And there's always the um, there's this algorithm that predicts the standings. They predict the Brewers to win the Central. It's called the... It's the PEC OTA. I'm not sure what it's what what it stand like. It's this long player empirical comparison and optimization test algorithm. That's what it is, wow. and it'll it'll grade or predict standings. It predicted Brewers win the Central. Obviously, it's not out yet for next year, but um, I'm gonna say the Brewers. Um, what did you say your prediction was? I said they win the Central. Do you? Yeah, I think they can run it back. I, I'm I'm gonna think um, they could. 90 to 100 win range is kind of what my expectations are. Hopefully they can would be a nice goal. Yeah. And I really thought they would hit that this year, get the franchise record for most wins in a year. That didn't happen. They were of course one short of tying two from passing it. So yeah, I would say that 90 win range is my expectation. And of course to win the central is also a part of it. So hopefully we can see that. All right. Next next question. Two parter. Will JBJ hit over 200 and will Christian Yelch finish in the top three offensively? For the team? Yes. Yelch? Okay. Um, JBJ will hit above 200 if he's on the Brewers. I don't even think he'll be on the Brewers next year somehow. I think okay. they'll get rid of him. Um, and then Yelich, I think he will be. I think it will be 
Adamas will be in that top three. And then I think Yelch will be a part of that as well. And I don't know who else. Okay. And then our final question here. Will Corbin Burns win the 2021 Cy Young? Is he going to win the award or will he get snubbed just because he is a brewer? Based on what happened the last week of the year, I don't know when the voting took place because there's been times where the voting takes place actually in the first week of September, which doesn't make sense. No, so, not at all. Um, so I'm going to say he is. He, he definitely should, and I think he will. I think it will be close between him and Scherzer. And a lot with the voters, which is weird because Scherzer switched teams that sometimes like a turnoff for the voters. I, I've seen some voters, based on what I've read, they they shy away from guys who were on two different teams, which doesn't really make sense considering he was in the NL for both the teams. So with that being said, there's a – and plus Scherzer had a bad – his last time of the year was bad, which actually gave um, Burns the ERA title. So it should be Burns, and I think it will be. Hey, Burns has all the stats to prove why it should be him, and I agree it should be. Fingers crossed it is. So – that's all we got. An absolutely loaded episode here. Our Brewers recap. Hopefully you all enjoyed and hopefully you all had enough time with us to, you know, just rest, lie on the loss. And here we are, I guess, rooting for the Braves to win the World Series. I know I am, because if you listen to episode 33, the Brewers prediction challenge comes down to the Braves and the Astros. I picked the Braves. I won the coin toss, got to pick first. Braves are my pick to win the World Series. So thank you all for listening, sticking through. In this episode, Jordan Drew underscore sports crew is our Instagram, that and our Facebook. Jordan Drew, the sports crew, keep you up to date on all of the upcoming episodes, all of the big things we have planned. And other than that, we have ourselves a YouTube, Jordan and Drew, the sports crew. Our watch hours keep going up on there, which is nice to see. And episode 34 will be right back here next week. And man, what an episode. We kind of nailed it all, Drew. Shout yourself out and any final thoughts and or comments if you have them. I don't have any more final thoughts or comments, Jordan, but I'll shout myself out for sure. Instagram, you know the drill. Drew Skyberg, D-R-A-W-S-K-Y-B-E-R-G. I'm on Twitter, Jordan Law underscore PXP. Might be announcing a UWGB girls soccer game two days from now, Horizon League quarterfinal, but I'm not too sure if that actually happened or not. So we'll have to see. Maybe I'll talk about it on episode 34. Maybe not, but either way, thank you all for listening to Jordan and Drew, the sports crew. This bonus episode, our Brewers recap, and boy, was it ever the perfect podcast for you.